On episode 39 of DevTalk, I speak to David Orchenau about what to expect with the upcoming .NET MAUI. Welcome to another episode of DevTalk. My name is Kerry Lothrop, and today's guest is David Orchenau. David is a principal program manager at Microsoft on the .NET team, and I'm really happy to have him on the show. Hello, David. Hey, Kerry. How are you? I am very good over here in Germany. Things are opening up. How is it in St. Louis? Uh, yeah, things are pretty wide open, actually. You almost wouldn't even know that there's anything going on. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, other than until you walk in someplace and see somebody with a mask, but uh, I don't know. We're, we're a little further outside of the city, so it's not too populated. Uh, yeah, so life's getting back to some sense of normal, but we're, we're adapting. Okay. And uh, I, I watched you at Microsoft Build. This was mm -hmm. the first time I was able to attend because I didn't have to fly across half the planet to get there. Ah, yeah. And it was really interesting. There were some really cool announcements around the technology that you're working with. Yeah, it was, it was a very interesting build. Um, since you haven't been there in person, uh, you know, typically it's uh, tens of thousands of people that join us in, in the conference center and you have big stages and booths and things like that. And I used to think that that was busier. Um, but now going to a virtual conference and even having fewer sessions, I was busier than ever. Um, yeah, and so we had some some really big announcements for for Xamarin and .NET developers. Um, not only uh, the new Xamarin Forms five, which is going to be coming out in September with new features like shapes and uh, paths support, all using native graphics APIs, uh, as well as new gradient support. Um, and then cross-platform uh, tab views that you can put anywhere in your application and cross-platform app bar to uh, be a stand-in replacement for the hard-to-style navigation bar. Those mm -hmm. things were all kind of eclipsed. Uh, did you even notice that we announced those things? <laughs> I uh, Somehow, I, I, it was like Xamarin Forms 4.6 was released around yeah. that time, right? Yeah, yeah. And, we, and that was just the announcements for Xamarin Forms 5. I actually did miss some of that. I don't, uh, I don't think that many people noticed it because we also announced uh, the evolution of Xamarin Forms into a whole new thing called .NET MAUI, which stands for Multi-Platform App UI. Mm -hmm. um, and it's all part of the one.net journey where we're taking uh, all the .NET pieces, the mono runtime and Xamarin SDKs, and we're baking them directly into .NET as a framework. That was the bombshell that stole the spotlight, <laughs> I guess. Exactly right. Yeah. So was once, once that all came out, then people were just kind of glossed over this whole iteration of Xamarin Forms 5. What even is Xamarin Forms 5? <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. They didn't even really pay much attention to it. But uh, we will ship Xamarin Forms 5 for those who mm -hmm. are interested in September of this year is the, is the current target. Um, and that will be uh, you know, the continuation of Xamarin Forms as it exists today, primarily for Android iOS, um, and then those that are using it for UWP. But .NET MAUI is kind of the longer, uh, the roadmap for the future. It's going to share the same BCL as everything else in .NET 6. So .NET 5 is going to release in November of this year. I think you, mm -hmm. everybody's pretty aware of that at this point. And that's the unification of the base class library, uh, the runtime uh, project system. Uh, Mono is already uh, merged in with uh, the different .NET repos. Um, for the runtime and the base class library stuff, so so that's that's happening. But of course, you know, as we started the conversation at the top, 
there's this global pandemic thing happening. And so we've all been adjusting and uh, figuring out what this means for business and how we, especially within Microsoft, can best support our customers. Um, mm -hmm. And so as part of that, um, Xamarin and this transition to .NET Maui um, is being targeted instead at .NET 6, which is November 2021. So great news is, is that we have uh, 18 months or so to uh, make this transition and to take Xamarin Forms and build a really amazing foundation directly into .NET that we can build upon for the future, both for mobile and for desktop, um, which is kind of a, a cool thing that uh, we certainly have plenty of interest for, hey, can I build more desktop apps? Can I build more macOS apps? Which, you know, is not necessarily as large of an, an audience and market as Android and iOS is, but it, it's there. And uh, certainly as Apple has shown with releasing their Catalyst support, which uh, for those who are unaware, it's the ability to take your iOS and iPadOS apps, which are fundamentally the same thing technically, um, and be able to run them as desktop applications on a Mac uh, computer. Okay. Yeah. So similarly, .NET MAUI supports all of that um, and gives it to you right out of the box. Write your code once and um, you know the magical cliche, <laughs> run it everywhere. Yeah, so let's let's unroll some of that. So yeah. you said which platforms are now fully supported by Microsoft directly? Can you right? Windows? Yeah, so .NET Maui will support Android, iOS, Windows, and Mac OS first party, um, and okay. then there's community support for additional platforms as well as Samsung support for their platform Tizen. So that's like WPF and things like that. Yeah, WPF, GDK Sharp. Uh, mm -hmm. Interestingly, one of, one of the big feedbacks was, oh, w what about Linux? You overlooked Linux. When, and mm -hmm. Linux, Linux is there. Um, it's community supported. You know, Linux is um, huge and open source. So hopefully it will continue to be supported. Okay, so that's through GTK Sharp, right? Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So you you've got um, and the cat you mentioned Catalyst. This was what was the old code name, code name for that? Uh, Marzipan, I think. Marzipan, Marzipan. Yeah, right. yeah. It's been out for a while, and uh, people were wondering if Microsoft was going to support that. And yeah. now you, you're saying this is completely supported, and and I can use basically my iOS code to run Mac apps. Well, so with with .NET Maui, you can. Mm -hmm. um, so Catalyst as a technology is Apple's approach to doing this specifically for their suite of uh, operating systems, iOS, iPadOS, and macOS. And, okay. you know, the kind of, this is a, because you've been in the, in the Xamarin ecosystem for, like, you were using Xamarin before the Microsoft acquisition, right? Yeah, yeah, 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so you, like I was, uh, were all very accustomed to, uh, as soon as Apple released a new thing, Xamarin adopted it and supported it and shipped it for .NET developers. Mm -hmm. um, and it was kind of almost not even a question that uh, Xamarin would always do that to, to give you everything that Apple and Google shipped. Well, the transition now is that as part of Microsoft, our focus is not so much on uh, shipping everything that every technology can possibly support. And it's more about understanding how customers use the technology and how we can best support the business use cases. Not only the ones that we know people are going to do, but also looking at the opportunities that are ahead. 
So when it comes to things like watchOS functionality, tvOS, and of course, you know, the different extension models that Apple ships for doing a variety of different things, and of course, Catalyst uh, for, for this type of scenario, we have to look at it through the lens of how do our customers perceive this? How do the, the .NET developers perceive this? And, and what are the actual business value propositions around this? It's not mm-hmm. simply a matter of saying Apple shipped a new thing, therefore we must go support this new thing. And so as we look at it and we understand the value of what Catalyst delivers for that audience, we now um, can say, hey, you know what? We've already got this cross-platform thing called Xamarin Forms. It has a macOS platform target already associated to it. What if we just improve that? Um, not just, but you know, what if we what if we truly invest in that for our customers, understand their business needs, and give them a .NET Maui product, which is the .NET equivalent, and and not just an equivalent, but it really surpasses what Catalyst enables you to do. It takes it even further and gives you, of course, Windows, Android as well as the uh, as the Apple stack. So that's kind of the broader way in which we are thinking about this. And it's a definite shift from what um, Xamarin developers of old have been used to. And perhaps it's causing some frustration because you, you came to expect one thing and now you see that that's not anymore the case. Um, but this is how we're thinking about it. And uh, so far, it seems like it's the right way to go. I just recently saw the official support of the contact tracing APIs, mm. and, I, and this was—I uh, I was surprised um, because th- this was like what you were talking about. It used to be when it was still only Xamarin, uh, what it was like. There was a new API; we have to support that right away. And and yeah. I thought it was great. And I, I was wondering if there's since since not many people get to use those APIs, mm-hmm. uh, if there's actually a, a, a need for that. Yeah. Yeah. So the interesting thing about the uh, the contact tracing exposure notifications, um, and for those who don't know what this is, essentially, um, Apple and Google came up with their standards in terms of how they would expose um, your location information in an anonymized way. Um, mm-hmm. I, I believe there's a whole key value mechanism that's all anonymized and, and sharing to the cloud. And um, the thing is, they expose all these APIs uh, for tracking your exposure to people who may have tested positive or have reported testing positive to COVID-19. Um, so then you you can see what your exposure level is. Um, mm-hmm. The thing is, though, is they don't actually ship apps for this. The burden of that is put on local state governments, um, different regional governments to do this, or healthcare uh, companies within those uh, regions. And so apps have to spring up all over the place which is kind of kind of weird i don't know you could you could um, uh, have a probably a whole discussion on whether that was really the best way to go or not and and how it could have been done differently but here we are and so these apis need to be reconciled in a cross platform manner and really the effort to do this was pretty simple i mean uh, we bind libraries and different technologies all the time and unify them in a cross platform api we did it very quickly when the surface team uh, began prototyping and shipping the surface duo sdk for example to do dual screen support it's a whole new paradigm yeah. whole new pattern whole new set of apis um, and we were able to very quickly do that. So this was kind of a no-brainer um, in, in terms of it really wasn't much effort for us to enable this uh, for customers. And the other aspect of it is, is that we have a lot of government and healthcare customers. 
who are the folks who need to build these things. Um, and they already have existing .NET investments. So, you know, given that it's low investment on our part, given that we have customers already in this space that we can uh, make this available to. And then you see uh, customers and, and our own teams in places like Japan who are enabling their local governments and healthcare um, organizations to immediately light this stuff up. I mean, it's, it's mm -hmm. almost, we literally shipped an app that you can clone brand it with your organization and it it's already set to go. I, I think there's even a button on the GitHub that you can push the button. It deploys the Azure um, functions and things like that that you need, provisions everything, and you're up and running with an app uh, that does all the things it needs to do with the appropriate amount of security and, and privacy. Oh, wow. <laughs> I guess the, the unusual, usual thing here is that uh, it, it is an API that not everyone can use. You have to have a certain status. You have to be basically yes. a country's organization, health organization, yeah. to be able to do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's not something that is going to be as widely used as something as a, a catalyst, for example, would be. But the value is clearly there. Uh, it's it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. uh, we have, you know, I already mentioned, you know, kind of all the the established reasons why to do it. Um, but also then you, you look back at something like a catalyst, uh, you know, what is the real opportunity for people to use that? How many people are going to avail themselves of using that? Um, how much value are they going to get from just going to the Apple ecosystem of things? And, and then you compare that to the effort of enabling that functionality and, um, it starts to fall further and further down the list of valuable things that we could be spending our time doing for customers. Yeah. Okay. So just take us for a walk through, through Naui. What does it mean? Why should I, as a developer, be excited about this? Yeah. So, I mean, really, if you're doing anything cross-platform with .NET technology, this is very exciting um, because it's, you know, where Xamarin sits in the ecosystem, you could still have some dis, uh, some uncertainty as to its value, as to is it going to stick around for the long term. And now .NET MAUI is firmly inside the .NET product. It's got a .NET name. Uh, it's we're, we're adopting system namespaces, so it's system.maui, system.maui. Um, mm -hmm. Similarly, Xamarin Essentials is being brought directly in. It's going to be system.devices. So there's a lot of confidence, I think, and security that comes along with that, knowing uh, that you're now part of a product that has been around for 20-ish years um, and is going to be around for a long time to come. So that's that's very exciting. Um, it's not something that uh, can be dismissed uh, out of hand. Um, yeah, I think the the you know just the the general value proposition of being able to do all the four major targets for devices that you uh, would want the the two desktop, the two mobile. That's very exciting. It gives you a lot of potential. Uh, it is all native, so you know that whatever native things each platform innovates on and releases is going to be supported. And then uh, there, there are some of the other things that are very exciting inside of the .NET MAUI announcement once you start getting into the details of the experiences that we're lighting up. Um, so one of those experiences is exploring more of the C-sharp fluent syntax for developing your UIs. Um, and along with that, exploring how we can enable a model view update pattern. Certainly, XAML and MVVM are extremely popular. Are you a XAML MVVM uh, adherent? 
Yeah, yeah. I was on the MVVM Cross team. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I used yeah. MVVM Cross a lot um, back when I had my my consultancy, my my company um, mm-hmm. before joining Microsoft. So I was a. I, I of course I always. I, did you use the same terminology? I always referred to it as MVX. Uh, well, that that was what the the prefix was on all the classes, right? Right, right. Yeah. 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 So whenever we would talk about it and chat about it, instead of typing the whole thing out, it was just always MVX in, in my mm. team. <laughs> um, I have a lot of fond memories from those days of building apps, yeah. actually. But, you know, the interesting thing is, is that um, within the .NET community, I mean, you've got 1.5, I think we added 1.5 million .NET developers last year, some of the statistics that Scott Hunter shared. Um wow. Yeah, I mean, and so we have a very large ecosystem of developers. I don't even know what the what the full numbers are for across all the different products that we support. You know, web and desktop and mobile, um, mm-hmm. cons- console and all the other things. Um, but the, the the reality is, uh, here, here's a perfect example. So uh, I, I did a survey at build time and shortly after build, um, asking people what they thought about the .NET Maui announcements. And in the survey, I also asked them, what is your preferred way of making an app? Um, and so the options were things like uh, XAML plus MVVM, um, C Sharp plus MVVM, C Sharp plus Reactive UI, and just like all the, these different combinations. Blazor was in there, Model View Update was in there. Um, and the, the interesting thing to me wasn't what got the most votes. The interesting thing to me was individual developers more often than not, chose multiple items from those lists. <laughs> so this notion that there's only one way to do things and developers really only have one bias is completely, in my mind, destroyed by that. Uh, <laughs> so even even I as a developer, and I, and I feel like I personally am, am probably different than most developers. I, I enjoy doing XAML. I enjoy doing C Sharp. I enjoy using Razor templates. I find joy in doing a lot of different things. There are probably very few ways of doing things that I find truly uh, unsatisfying. Probably uh, Android AXML. I I probably would choose not to do that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Storyboards, I can be okay with up to a point in iOS, but, uh, you know, when things get out of hand, I'm done. So, So it's an interesting thing. So we're enabling new experiences, coming back to my initial point there about what we're announcing for .NET MAUI. If you want to use the XAML and the C Sharp and the MVVM that you know today and that you're using today in Xamarin Forms or in your desktop flavor, um, you can absolutely keep doing that. And that's going to be fully supported. But there are new developer experiences that are growing adoption across other technologies, other uh, environments. And we want to support those as well, because we do recognize, like I mentioned from the survey, that our ecosystem has got vast tastes and flavors and uh, supporting multiple ways of doing things is actually valuable. And hopefully we can build a a community that supports this variety. Um, That's been a little bit of a a bumpy thing so far. When we first announced C-sharp fluent support for some of the uh, extensions that we added and I think it was 4.6, might have been 4.5. Um, there was a little bit of, you know, a kerfuffle, a little bit of complaint from the the XAML fan base saying, oh, you know, why would you ever do this? You can't, you can't possibly build a production app this way using just C Sharp. And I got to tell you, I, I know customers who are shipping very large apps, uh, very, you know, they're successful apps and they're doing nothing but C Sharp. 
not a lick of XAML to be found, and they're doing just fine. So, uh, not true. <laughs> you, you you can yeah. you can do it either way. A, a good developer is a good developer, and and I guess uh, the rest of us will become good developers someday. Yeah, that that survey reminds me of. Uh, you remember at the Xamarin Evolve conference, the last one in Orlando, mm-hmm. where they had this developer DNA thing where you're supposed to. Uh, there was this string at the beginning, and there were these these pegs on a wall, and you're supposed to connect your preferences. Basically, I develop I, on Windows, and mm-hmm. I I use uh, Visual Studio or Xamarin Studio, and uh, more often than not, people were basically not connecting these things horizontally or di- diagonally. They were connecting them vertically. So the the mm-hmm. basically the the different options among each other because they're they're just people are are using whatever is best for the job that they're doing right now. Yeah, which is great news. I mean, you want to be choosing the right tools, the right skills for the job, um, and not trying to you know. Uh, not everything is a nail just because you're holding a hammer, you know, that kind of a situation. So it's great that I think developers explore and, and use that uh, diversity to their advantage. That, yeah, Jamie Singleton was the one that came up with that idea. And yeah. it, was, it was replicated at, a, at one of our last build conferences. And it was the same result. And I think they may have even added at the last build, uh, I think they might have added a comma versus spaces thing. <laughs> and as I remember, there was a huge argument with Miguel, not not an argument, it was a fun argument um, with Miguel over this topic. Probably Morton Nielsen and Miguel went at it. But yeah, yeah, there's a lot of variety. And so uh, the same thing goes with IDEs. So of course, today you have Visual Studio for Windows, you have Visual Studio for Mac, um, but there's also this little thing you may have heard of called Visual Studio Code. Sure. And yeah, and so, you know, when we say that we're building towards a 1.NET experience, that goes for our tooling as well. You can do uh, .NET Core, ASP.NET Core uh, using Visual Studio Code, whether you're on Windows or Mac. So what would that experience look like for multi-platform developers? So .NET MAUI, we demoed some support for VS Code at Build, and that seemed to get a lot of people's excitement. Can we start from the bottom up? Uh, so. Th- this Maui, it, or you, you say it's one unified .NET, everything is .NET. Yeah. Which platform runs on which former technology? Mm, so so give, I know, yeah. know there's like like former .NET framework, there's former .NET Core, and there's former Mono. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, the way it's going to be in .NET Maui, because it will ship with .NET 6. Um, so you really ought not need to think about any of these things, right? Yeah. Um, when, once you're doing .NET Maui, it's all .NET 6. Um, the runtime will be the .NET runtime everywhere. There is a mono runtime for the mobile scenarios that it requires, um, and it's optimized for. Um, and then there is the mono runtime, which is still the active runtime for macOS apps when you build with .NET. However, um, we know that .NET Core runs on macOS, and so therefore .NET 6's runtime runs on macOS. So mm-hmm. I, I think as we go, what, what this looks like, um, and I'll probably be able to answer it better in the future, <laughs> uh, is that as we, as we move into this new era of a unified .NET, we're going to learn to speak about these things differently. And these older distinctions of .NET Core, .NET Framework, .NET Standard, all that jazz, and then you throw in the monos, 
will start to fall by the wayside, hopefully. Um, yeah. Now that I, I imagine that transition is going to take some time. You know, companies have investments in those technologies, but um, uh, hopefully it goes away because, uh, you know, frankly, just talking about those three things I just mentioned, framework, core, and standard, gets confusing as I'll get out. I sat in a, uh, a user group meeting in St. Louis back before the pandemic hit, and um, the, I can't remember the speaker's name. It's escaping me. But he was he was giving the audience of 50-plus developers an update on what's coming in .NET 5, um, mm-hmm. which for me was obviously very interesting, being part of the .NET team, to hear how a community member was expressing this right to, to the community. And yeah. it was confusing. It was very confusing. I left pretty confused. Not because he did a bad job of explaining it, but because it's clear that explaining .NET Framework, .NET Core, .NET Standard, and now .NET 5 all together is just a confusing thing to untangle. Like, what are we really talking about? Yeah. Um, so hopefully, when we get to .NET 5 and then beyond, uh, the whole conversation gets easier. But we'll see. Yeah, I wonder, uh, like, right now, you still have to think about these things. Like, I want to do TLS Mm 1.3 connection with the certificate. And and then you have to worry about, oh, on this platform, this is going to behave a little bit differently because it's different code. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it came from two different worlds. and, And I'm looking forward to the day where you don't have to worry about any of that anymore. Yeah, same for sure. Um, and you know, the TLS is a really good example because it's it's definitely a very different proposition on iOS and even Android. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the requests that we have is, hey, give me a comment or give me the ability to choose my HTTP client or give me the ability to not have to worry about it. I can't remember what the issue request was. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's. I think from my position, it's certainly one of those things that I want developers not to have to think about. But if they do have a specific requirement to make a choice in those areas, uh, it should be available to them. We shouldn't make the choice on their behalf and block them in. So providing developer choice but not making them choose, I think, is a key kind of tenant to things that we're trying to do. Okay. Uh, Can you talk us through this new MVU uh, or MVU style syntax with the the fluent syntax? How does it mm-hmm. how does it feel from a developer's perspective, or why should I use it? Right. So there's a couple aspects to it. There's there's your um, Elm architecture is kind of a the historical uh, example that we go back to when starting to describe what model view update is from a pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the key pieces of a model view architecture is it's a it's a single direction of a data flow. Um, so you essentially your UI dispatches messages that are handled by the model, and then the model updates the data, which refreshes the UI. Um, so your data is always your your message your message flow is always going in one direction, as opposed mm-hmm. to MVVM and like data binding, where some of your information flows two ways, some of it flows one way, some of it flows one way one time, and managed well can obviously be done well, but it's also a bit of complexity. When you constrain yourself in MVU to uh, information and state flowing one direction, um, it really uh, limits the number of things that can potentially go wrong. In order to make that happen, your UI needs to be optimized for that kind of uh, UI refreshing and state management. Mm-hmm. Um, so not every framework in its current state is built to support MVU. And so um, 
in .NET MAUI, what we've done is we have enabled this to happen using, you know, the, some of it, I guess you, in some systems you refer to it as a shadow DOM, shadow, DOM, shadow uh, tree, things like that. Um, and you have a diffing mechanism to manage, uh, you know, what needs to change, what doesn't need to change. Yeah. Um, it also makes uh, th things like MVU make um, uh, hot reload easier. Because now you have a very specific way in which things happen and order in which things happen. Um, and you can update the UI on the fly accordingly. Whereas, um, and you can also do it in a performant manner. Whereas with uh, XAML and VVM and the existing patterns, enabling hot reload, which hot reload is the ability for you to make a change to the code and have it live update your application without recompiling. Yeah, um, doing that in an MVVM XAML world, uh, even a C sharp MVVM world by itself poses more problems and more more complicated things that you have to take care of. So, so that's one aspect of MVU that is uh, delightful. The other aspect of uh, MVU that is attractive to developers is uh, it, it promotes a C sharp fluent syntax coding model. Um, now. Uh, even having said that, you could go back a step further. There's there's other historical precedents for MVU coding models in .NET. Fabulous, which is an F# -sharp framework uh, written by Don Syme, and is is a prime example of that. Yeah, we um, have an episode on that. Yeah, you do. Oh, fantastic! Definitely yeah. should reference that. So I will do a horrible job of representing what what happens in that space um, because I've I've. I'm not uh, an aficionado there, but you know their implementation is much more true to the Elm architecture than what we have today um, in .NET MAUI for the MVU that we've shown. And so, part of the process of us over the next you know series of months as we uh, build MAUI and shape it for general release is going to be uh, deciding. Um, do how, how close to Elm architecture and fabulous and the MVU as presented there should we go? Because when you compare what your developer experience is from the fluent UI syntax and your hot reload experience, it feels much more like what you see from the Apple ecosystem with their Swift UI experience. Mm -hmm. um, where Swift UI has a built-in um, preview of your UI. Uh, and you're using a fluent syntax there to kind of have a, uh, a basically an MVU in a simplified manner. I, I hesitate a lot with the re reuse of the MVU because I know that there are those out there who have previous MVU experience who will um, s continue to question, is this truly MVU or not? Um, and that absolutely is a, is, a, is a great question. It's something that we should we should reconcile along the way here. Um, so we kind of have a quasi MVU right now today, um, and that's a conversation that will be ongoing. But the the you know setting that aside, the developer experience that we hear from those who have used Swift UI and experimented with that, and those that see what we've done with .NET MAUI and the Fluent UI syntax. There's a lot of delightful, you know, it's super fast. You can, it's, your code's very legible. The hot reload experience is uh, superior to other hot reload experiences that we've um, had in the past. Um, and it's just, it's a, it's a pleasure to use. And then I talk to other developers who have real world production experience using things like Fabulous. Um, it is F sharp, but it is also MVU. And typically what I hear from them is, 
their apps are more stable. They have less bugs reported against their apps. Their apps perform well. So, you know, if this pattern brings these things to the forefront and it's easier to use because there's less concepts to get your head around, um, then this is something that I think will be great. Um, but having said all that, you know, this is definitely one of the aspects of .NET MAUI that is introduced as new and it's still experimental and we're still iterating on it. So if the, if these, if any of the things that I have just rambled on about sound interesting to you as a listener, um, I highly recommend you, uh, take a look at what we have on .NET MAUI, get engaged with the process, ask questions, poke holes in the problem, help us, uh, see where we can improve it before we actually get to GA. Yeah. Well, I, I saw some of the criticism online and it was, uh, for example, it was saying there are limitations in C-sharp that don't make it so uh, well suited for such a pattern. For example, yeah. the immutability is not, not such a big topic in C-sharp. Mm -hmm. And I also see like C-sharp moving in that direction. Like with C-sharp 9, it seems there are some features that seem like they, they really fit well with, with mm -hmm. the, the MVU pattern. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that um, that's another thing to, to keep in mind about the pacing of everything here. Um, you can't really take one and, and just look at it in isolation. So we've got C-sharp, the language, we've got uh, .NET, the platform, and then you've got .NET MAUI, the UI toolkit. Um, and these things are all going to be shipping on the same cadence. So they're all shipping with .NET revs every November. So that means that as we are working on features for .NET MAUI and for .NET, we can be, and we, we are, talking to the c -sharp language team and saying, hey, here are the experiences we're trying to light up. F-sharp has these things. What might those things look like in C-sharp? How can we uh, light up these new experiences? We need new language features or we need language features to change. And so mm -hmm. those conversations are happening. Um, and so while today the C-sharp like, implementation we have of MVU is a bit um, hybridized because of some of the uh, magic that we introduced to to, uh, I don't know if simulates the right word, but you know, we're, we're doing some things to work around language feature, um, limitations. Okay. And so, and so, but you know, moving towards GA and if we can get things through the specs and through the process of, and I have no idea how this all happens, but I'm sure that, uh, the smarter people do, uh, we can get the language changes we need to enable these cool new features and, you know, being driven by .NET MAUI and .NET developers. I think that would be really cool. I'd be very excited to see those things happen and be able to celebrate them and say, look, here's a new C-sharp language feature that enables MVU. And it was driven by you, the developers in the, you know, former Xamarin experience. You have literally directly influenced the future of C-sharp. <laughs> I think that would be a great story to tell. Yeah, yeah. And is C-sharp the only language that's going to be supported for MVU or are others planned? I mean, certainly F-sharp is there um, and uh, we will continue to support it as we can. Mm -hmm. You know, certainly there there's more support that could be given. But again, we, we drive a lot of what, what our investments are, if not all of our investments, based on customer uh, feedback, customer need, customer uh, impact. And so, yeah, F-sharp will be there. Mm -hmm. um, what, what that support needs to look like is a great question. And we have a thread up on the GitHub repository now asking for, asking for F sharp support and hopefully also clarifying what does that mean? 
Um, if we if we provide templates, is that sufficient? Uh, is it a matter of documentation and samples? Um, yeah, you know, what does it all look like? And and we will certainly evaluate that and do the best we can. But uh, at the same time, you know, open call as always to to the contributors um, to make that happen. From my from our side as maintainers of the project, we'll do everything we can to um, support you. I mean, that's how we ended up with WPF as a backend inside of Xamarin Forms. That's how we ended up with GTK Sharp as mm-hmm. a Linux backend inside of Xamarin Forms. It's because we are we are trying to be good open source partners. So, and any crazy, any good idea and or crazy bananas idea, please, <laughs> please come talk to us about it. <laughs> one, one more thing I wanted to ask. Uh, I heard that you're going to support single project for mm. multiple platforms. How's that going to work? Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I totally forgot to mention that as I was running down the cool things that we're doing in .NET MAUI. Um, so let's let's back up and and you know kind of talk about what the project looks like today when you're doing a, a new multi-platform solution um, you end up with a shared bit of code which is your shared library usually a dotnet standard project and then you have application head projects for each of the platforms that you're targeting so mm-hmm. um, you could start a, a new xamarin forms application today and it will start with android ios and uwp for a blank app um, and then you can later on add the WPF, the UWP, the GDK Sharp, and but then you've got like five, six projects, right? Yep. Um, and that, that can be very overwhelming to a new developer. It can be a pain in the butt to manage as an existing developer. I, I know I, I spend too much time managing nougats across all those different projects. And I'm just like, ah, I wish I just had one nougat file. I didn't have to worry about all these different projects to maintain nougats. Um, so what single project does is it says, okay, well, what if this was just one project? Um, how might we do that? And what would that experience look like? So what are the things that you would need to be able to share? Um, certainly, it all starts with the native APIs and native code. So for that, we have multi-targeting. Um, yeah. Multi-targeting support in the different IDEs is a little different. And uh, I think there's some some additional work that will need to be done there to make it a great experience. But that work is happening. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, this gives you the ability to have your Android, your iOS, your all your different platform code side by side using partial classes and the the multi-platform uh, targeting that you get. Or multi-target. I, yeah, I'm mixing up multi-platform and multi-targeting now. <laughs> multi-targeting, I think it's called. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's multi-awesomeness is what it is. <laughs> um, so yeah, you, you you can have those Android, iOS files side by side. You can do it in different ways. You could put them in separate folders if that uh, organization makes more sense. So mm-hmm. how how that all looks within the project is something that we are um, doing some, some more research on, putting people in the labs. We have some prototypes that we're running people through to find, uh, you know, what's the most discoverable way to do this? And a large project, what's the most maintainable way to do this? And I imagine that what we'll end up with for that is uh, a combination of, hey, your file new experience looks like this, where you put all your files in these uh, platform-specific folders. But Mm -hmm. then you as a developer, if you have a different solution architecture in mind, you can do whatever you like um, and and use the full features of multi-targeting. So 
moving on from kind of the platform specific bits, um, there's also the platform specific configurations. Uh, iOS has certain specific uh, configurations for entitlements for uh, you know accessing uh, different features of the Apple ecosystem. You have to have different keys and things like that. iTunes um, artwork. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. that sort of thing. Um, and Android has its own and, you know, each platform has its own. So, yeah. uh, coming to a reconciliation of those things and how to do them in a cross-platform manner, it'll all be available to you somehow. We'll work through exactly how that needs to look, but those are just fundamentally just property panels. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you get down into the assets and things like that, that are still separate. So, uh, image assets, media assets, JSON assets, uh, fonts are a big one. And we've already, for fonts and images, we, we already have some uh, consolidation of that in Xamarin Forms that makes it easy for you to share that stuff across multiple different platforms. So that work will continue moving forward and will help us to support that. We'll give you a nice way to do that inside the IDE. And then there was, oh, there was one more thing I was thinking about. Oh, oh, and then kind of your run experience, right? So typically mm -hmm. today with multiple projects, you have to select which one's your startup project. But now you have just right, one yeah. startup project. So what? Do you, yeah, what are you going to see in your in your devices list? Well, you'll see all the different targets that you want to support. So uh, if you're doing Android and iOS, you'll see your Android and iOS emulators in your start menu, and you can just grab one of those and run it. Um, and and you'll just see them all side by side with the different run configurations. So mm -hmm. uh, we have multi. Uh, multi-run configurations today in Visual Studio. So yeah. you could run your Android and your iOS at the same time, hot reload both of them at the same time, um, which is pretty awesome. And this kind of just, you know, it builds on that. Um, it says, hey, you know, we've got something good going here. How can we further simplify the uh, project structure and make it powerful so that you can do everything you need to do? I, for one, am very much looking forward to, even with my complex projects, just managing one project, <laughs> one yeah. set of nougats, one project. That's that's the dream for me. One set of images, one set of fonts, one set of nougats. Come on. That's something to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yeah. And, 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 and for those who are concerned and like, oh, but I have very specific needs to do a certain specific thing on the platform, you'll still have mm -hmm. all that access. We'll, we'll, we'll give you a path to do that. Um, we're not going to take away anything you have today. Okay. So, so no, no fears, no worries. You, you'll be fine. And your existing stuff, like if you've got an existing project you want to bring to .NET MAUI, you totally can. You don't have to adopt a single project. It's just okay. a wonderful new experience we're going to light up for people to make things easier. All right. That's great. Well, thank you very much for, for the introduction to the new world and, and what's coming. <laughs> it's it's always, always exciting and great. Um, you know... A couple of years back when there was just Xamarin, we, when we were talking to customers and they were like, mm -hmm. oh, what is this Xamarin? And uh, will we still be able to uh, have our app ship in five years for the newest iOS and Android OS? And uh, we were like, well, we're, we're pretty sure this is, this is really good and uh, it, it's going to make it and it's, it's safe to bet on the technology. And then Microsoft took over and mm -hmm. we thought this was going to be uh, we don't know what to expect, uh, but it's probably going to be good for us because if we tell our customers this is a pro uh, technology by Microsoft, they're more likely to to say, okay, th this is something we can bet on because Microsoft technology is 
usually known to to be uh, supported uh, mm-hmm. in the long term. And to see this incorporated into .NET now uh, even g- gives it even more support, right? <laughs> Up until now, it was like running side by side. This is the Xamarin part. This is the .NET part. But if you say this is all one, it it, it still further increases my um, yeah my belief that this is the right technology for the future. Absolutely. Well, you certainly got my resounding amen on that, and uh, I hope that customers hear that as well. I think you know you walk into a situation and they say, "Hey, what should we use?" and you say .NET, like that sounds a whole lot bigger whole lot more right. solid and confident than just saying Xamarin. And somebody says, well, what is Xamarin? Or they say, Xamarin, is that that thing that Microsoft acquired? I thought it was dead. You know, it's just, uh, mm-hmm. but, but .NET, you know, it's solid, it's sure, it's got decades of, of uh, staying power. And uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you feel that way. I certainly feel that way. Um, I love it. I, I couldn't be a better time really to be a .NET developer from my standpoint. Very exciting things ahead. I'm I'm a little sad that things are going to take 18 months to ship, but that's just the way it goes. We've got plenty of time to get things right, and I'm super looking forward to everybody engaging with us on the GitHub and getting getting to be part of the uh, the new product and the conversation. Great. I will link to those projects to those GitHub projects, and for uh, so people can get involved if they want to. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, David, for being a guest today. Absolutely. Anytime, man. This has been another episode of Dev Talk, and we'll see each other again in two weeks.